Welcome to the audio podcast of The Father's House. We hope and pray you are both challenged and encouraged by this time in the Word. We're excited and honored about what God is going to do in the house today as we have Pastor Dave, our senior pastor, bringing the Word uh, from our central campus in Vacaville, California. So would everyone, would you join me on your feet as we honor the Word, honor the Lord, and can we welcome Pastor Dave with a warm round of applause? Let's go. Come on. Let's go to today. Come on, welcome East Bay and Roseville, Slavic, Calgary, Canada, San Quentin, Prison Church Network. Come on. Hey, all locations, just remain standing. I want to pray over you today. And uh, I'd like us just to lift our voice together and sing a bit more. You up for that? I want to welcome the Holy Spirit on your life in particular today. Sing us out. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, know my soul. Read. You sing, take joy, my King, take joy. Come on, other locations, lift your heart, lift your hands. In what you hear, and let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. I'm going to sing it again. Come on, I love you, Lord. And I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice, yes, God, to worship you and all my soul. Rejoice and take joy, my King, yeah, God. In what you Take joy today, Lord. And let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Let it be. Lord, let it be a Father, we thank you for your grace today. Thank you that you dwell among us and you've come to meet with us and speak to us today. And we welcome your presence at every location. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Jesus, we are your church, we're your children. And in these moments, we honor you, we honor your word. We give you all the glory. And everybody said amen. You can be seated today. All right. Well, today we are concluding our series Seeking God, and we're not concluding seeking God, we're just concluding the series. We're going to seek Him till we see Him face to face. I just want to be clear on that. It's been a great series. I hope you've learned some things about how to pursue God in every season of your life and how to be diligent and create the well-worn path. 
If you missed any of the messages, go back online and and check them out. I want to remind you that there is no neutral ground in your pursuit after God. You're either gaining ground or you're losing ground. There's no floating in this thing. There is a spiritual warfare that's very real. Very real game plan of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy every opportunity he gets. And that happens to the passive, to the apathetic, to those who are casual in their journey. There's so much vernacular in the Bible about being a warrior and being diligent and persevering and standing your ground and putting on the full armor of God. And so pursuing God is something that we do throughout our lives. And if you are in a place today where you're in kind of an apathetic, lethargic, whatever it might be in the spirit, I'm believing God's gonna shake you up, break it off you, set you on fire to run after him in Jesus' name, amen? Well, today I wanna talk to you about keys and doors, about God giving you some spiritual keys and opening some doors in your life so you can move on to the next thing that God has for you. There's much more up ahead. Would you agree with me today? Here's the thesis. When we seek God, when we pursue God, he gives us keys to open doors that we've yet to walk through. So there's a lot that's going to happen in your future as you run after him that we haven't seen yet. There's much more to come. See, the enemy would love for you to fall into a place of really spiritual paralysis. It says in scripture that the enemy takes people captive to do his will. He's the one that oppresses, depresses, puts chains on people. But Jesus said, no, I I came that you might be set free. Jesus sets the captives free. Uh, He lifts the yoke of oppression. He says, I've come that you might have an abundant life, that you would have it to the fullest. That is his vision for your future. It's bigger than what you could imagine. But you got to walk through some doors to get there, and you're going to need some spiritual keys to open those doors. So we're going to talk about that, because the keys are a reward of the pursuit. But first, I want to uh, remind you of the scope of what God has for your life. And this is going to come up on the main screen, all locations. We're going to read it out in the Amplified with some passion. Ephesians 3.20. Are you ready? Let's go. Here we go. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or imagine, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. Look at that verse right there. He says things like, it's going to be super abundantly more. It's going to be infinitely beyond anything that you can even imagine. How many of you guys would consider yourself to have a pretty vivid imagination? I can think of God doing some pretty big things for me and through me. And I have in the past, and much of that didn't come to pass. Why is that? Because this is more than a salutation. This is at the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And he wasn't just saying, hey, so it's going to be really great, you know, Paul out. No, this is actual accurate theology. But there's a caveat, there's a phrase at the bottom of this verse. Look at this last line. What he does in regards to the infinitely beyond, the super abundantly more, is what? According to his power, that's what? It's working in you. So it's equivalent to, in proportion to, the work of the spirit that's going on inside you, God's gonna do it through you. In other words, if he can work it in you, he's gonna work it through you, and it's gonna be beyond what you can imagine. And the working, the work of God's grace inside of us happens through pursuit. The more you pursue him, the more you become like him. 
You know, it's a two-edged sword running after God because he's holy, holy, holy. And when you come into his presence, you realize, man, I'm messed up, I'm broken. And he never reveals that to condemn you. When you worship God and you sense his presence and you realize, man, I'm a mess, I need your forgiveness. He never exposes the brokenness of your life to shame, condemn, or repel. It's always to convict so that you might repent and be cleansed so you can come even closer. It's a work of refining. It's the holiness of God in our life. So there is a process that happens as we run toward him and we actually enter into more than we can ask or think. He wants to work it in you by opening some doors. Now, it says of Jesus in Revelation, in fact, he said it himself, he says, I'm the one who holds the keys and the doors I shut, no one can open and the doors I open, no one can shut. I don't know about you, but I spent quite a bit of my life trying to kick down doors that Jesus had already shut. And that's frustrating. You're going to stub your toes. You're going to get exhausted. Or we're busy running through doors that he didn't open. Because there's doors all around your life. Doors of temptation, doors of opportunity, things that might look good, but they're not God. Could be good, not God. And so there's all these off-ramps of career and relationships and education and moving here or there. The wise in the spirit, those that know their God, those that seek God, they move in the rhythms of grace and they walk through the doors that he is opening. So I hope you have this in your heart. From this day forward, if you'd make a declaration, Lord, I just want to walk through the doors that you are opening in Jesus' name. Amen. So in order to open those doors, there's a word that Jesus used in the Greek, keys. It's an implement to open the door. And we're going to talk about keys for just a moment. As I study this, I understand that in our day and age, keys are really a dying breed. I came to the revelation, I have no keys. Now, in my illustrious ministry career, I used to be a janitor for a Christian high school. And uh, I'd lead worship on the weekend. And by day, I had a plunger. I wanted to put on my business card like a dove and a plunger. Somehow, just it's my gig, you know. So I'd run around this Christian high school, and I have one of those old school keychains. Anybody ever wear one of those? It was this chrome spring thing with a chain on it, zig zig, and I had so many keys that they would just kind of hang down and just bruise my thigh all day long. But that was back in the day. I come to the revelation. I think Don and I, between us, we have one key. She has the key to the mailbox, okay? And that's it. How many of you get in your garage with a garage door opener? How many of you, like you use a fob? How many have retinal scan at your, at your house? Oh, you don't have that yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, wow, this guy's high tech. So yeah, that's the way we, we move about. But in Jesus' day, his audience understood well when he talked about the keys of the kingdom. These are keys that have been discovered in antiquity. Look at those, you're familiar with it. Each one of those opened a, a secured place. And so I wanna read you the words of Jesus. I'm gonna read from the message paraphrase in Matthew 16. Here's what it says. And that's not all. You'll have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. Now, if you're familiar with this verse of scripture, it's been used traditionally uh, around the idea of prayer. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose. Binding and loosing is an act of proclamation or prayer. But it's more than that. He says, I will give you the keys, you'll bind and loose, and, okay, so there's an and in the original text. So the keys, it's a broader concept than prayer. Now, in uh, the New King James Version, we'll look at one Greek word. He says, I will give you the keys. 
And this word, give you, didomai, it's one word, and it's important you understand, it's a continuous tense. It means to grant, to give to the one asking. So asking is involved, and here's the thought. He keeps giving keys. So the keys, the, the, the thing you were looking for to get to that certain place five years ago, that has changed. The things that I needed to go forward in my spiritual journey 20 years ago, they're not what I need today. So as you keep asking, as you keep seeking, all these are continuous tense. Jesus keeps giving keys that will unlock some areas in your life. The Greek word simply means an implement, to, to lock or unlock. So I want to give you a great working definition here of a spiritual key. A unique implement that opens a unique or specific door or secured area. Without the right key, the area, the room, or the supply remains unavailable and unattainable. I can't get there without a key. But he grants keys if I'll seek him. Nothing worse than living a, a frustrated Christian life where you feel closed in. You just feel hemmed in. And I talk to a lot of people that just, they're frustrated. They feel like there's a lid over me. I can't, I can't get past this addiction or this emotions that I carry or the cycle of sin that I keep spinning around. And God wants to break the lid off of you. I was studying this yesterday and an old hymn of the church written by Gene Autry came up in my spirit. Give me land, give me land, neath the beautiful sky. Nobody. I thought my boomers would have my back on that, but no. <laughs> Silent as the Gen Zers in the room they were. The punchline is, don't fence me in. Does anybody know that song? <laughs> you're afraid to confess it because it means you're over 70. But hey, own it, man. Own it. <laughs> don't fence me in. I've been called to an abundant life. I've been called to no boundaries on the journey I'm, I'm all about, right? I'm growing, I'm expanding. So I want to give you five realities of keys that are going to help you today. Number one, keys are personal. They're unique to your journey. They're not static. So for instance, maybe you're in the room and the key that you need to turn is the key of forgiveness. You were hurt, you were wounded, you were betrayed. You're still hanging on to that a little bit every time you hear their name or rehearse that situation. There's a little angst in your heart ah, and you need to completely forgive. And when you do, a door of grace will be open to your life. For some, it's a level of generosity. We had our conference this week and Pastor Jabin made this statement, which I love. He said, if you have it, but you can't give it, it has you. Whatever God has put in your hand, we got to be able to live with an open hand. Are you guys with me today? So generosity is a key that opens so many doors, and we've seen it again and again in the life of this church. Perhaps it's serving. Perhaps a key for you is to step out into ministry and deal with that fear, open up your home, be a small group leader. Perhaps the key you need is a relationship or a partnership that you haven't stepped into yet. You know, God works through divine relationships and connections. But you got to step through that door. I'll, I'll give you one. It's not on my notes, but it comes to mind. When we planted this church, I had no idea what I was doing. I was a frustrated worship pastor, accidental church plant. You guys know my story. And I get a call one day from Pastor Wendell Smith in Seattle, Washington. 
He says, Dave, I started this little network of churches and you've been on my heart. And I, I used to wor lead worship at the conferences and he was the big apostle dude and Pastor Wendell, everybody loved him and revered him. And when I got a call from him, I was like, I, I, my heart was beating fast. He said, would you pray about being a part of this network? And I said, yes, I prayed, amen, amen, you know, that quick, right? And it was a door. And so we jumped on a, a plane every chance we could and we went to Seattle. And through walking into that and saying yes to that invitation, so you have to gauge the invitations in your life. Is this a door that God is opening? And you're filled with the Spirit, so you are led by the Spirit. Those who know God are led by the Spirit of God. And by walking through that door of relationship, something happened in my life. I was taught faith and generosity and how to build a team and how to believe God for big things. But it happened not because I had all the answers, but because I walked through a relational door and through that relationship, God took me to the next level. And he has those things for you in your business, in your relationships, for the single people in the room, for your future spouse. You notice I clarified single people. All right, moving on. Number two, keys are usually hidden and require seeking God. I would say usually, almost always. Now, sometimes God just blindsides you in his sovereignty. and goes, hey, wake up here. But most of the time, looking historically in the word of God and experientially, keys are hidden and they require a pursuit. That's why Jesus said, ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Now, if you've been in a place of spiritual frustration, if you've been in a valley, you gotta know what to do with that valley. If you were here at the conference, I was talking about there's 37 different valleys mentioned in scripture, and so I listed seven of them. But here's the thing about a valley. It's not a discipline of God. It is a chance to enter into the supernatural. And so if you're in a place where you're frustrated, allow that wilderness area, that valley you're walking through, to drive you into a place of deepened uh, intercession and intimacy with God. Allow the pressure that's on your life to drive you toward God instead of further away. And in your place of desperation, you're gonna find some keys. Here's one of the 37 valleys mentioned in scripture, Hosea 2.15. And I will make the valley of Achor. Achor means a valley of trouble and pain. If you've been in trouble and pain, if you're in some of that today, here's what he says. You're gonna find a door of hope. Say what? right in this valley of trouble, I'm in pain, I'm frustrated, but I'm seeking God. And all of a sudden, what? what's this? Hope in the middle of that valley. I've seen this, I've experienced this. Some of the darkest seasons of my life in the deepest valleys is when God came to me and opened a door that I couldn't imagine. But you gotta be in pursuit. I need a little amen from the upper risers today just to make me feel better about myself. It's not about you. I remember years ago, our church was growing, you know, we went from hundreds to thousands and we bought the shopping center and we're growing and on the outside, it looked like, man, we're, we're just hitting all the bases, man. We're just shooting three pointers. But inside I was frustrated and I felt the momentum begin to leak out of the church because most of what we did, almost all of what we did happened within the walls. We were singing good worship songs with the Christians and we were preaching at the believers and you know, a lot of transfer growth from other churches. And I, I was just like, something is off. And I found myself frustrated and in this place where God, I don't think I can keep getting up and doing this. Something has to change. 
And I remember I was going to Tokyo to be a part of a worship conference at Hope Church. My good friend, Stephen Kaler. And so I'm in Tokyo and I remember, but yet in my spirit, the whole trip, I'm crying out to God. I remember the hotel room I was in and I'm seeking God and God speaks to me in sentence form. Now, when God speaks to you through a prophetic word, an impression in your spirit, and you know it's the Lord, guess what that is? It's the key. A prophetic word is a key that he hands you and says, here, this is for you. Take this and turn it by faith and watch what I'll do. So I'm in this room and a few times in my life, God has spoke to me a strong impression. I've never heard his audible voice. I'd probably pass out like everybody in the Bible. (laughs) But I heard this impression so clear, I wrote it down word for word. God says to me in that room, he says, if the father's house doesn't start taking responsibility for the hungry, the disenfranchised, the broken people in your community, the church will become progressively irrelevant. And I'm like, okay, got it. And I knew immediately what that key was. We came home, met with the leaders, said, hey, we're gonna start loving our city. And we bought a Goodyear tire store and turned it into Vacaville Storehouse. And we began to feed people after school programs, getting outside the walls of the church. And it opened a door. And when the door opened, We're having this prophetic gathering on a Saturday morning and there was this angry ex-preacher used to pastor in the Church of Christ. Tall, bald guy standing in the back. Little cute, blonde wife. And he came in to mock our service. It's actually Pastor Raymond. (laughs) This is a true story. He heard we were having a prophetic gathering so he came to show his wife all this, the smoke and mirrors and charismania. And he's standing back here and we have a prophetess on stage from Atlanta area. So... The meeting's going along and God says, call that guy out. I'm like, all right. Hey, angry dude, tall guy in the back. (laughs) He comes forward. The prophet starts speaking over his life, says, you've been in ministry, but you you left. You're bitter and you're angry. You have a teaching gift and you're a leader. He starts breaking and weeping. Well, God brought Raymond and Kim, who became the leaders of We Love Our City, now Prison Church Network, what happened was God began to open a door that led to another door. So now in every city that we have a campus and our church plants, guess what we do? We love our city. We have feeding programs. We get outside the walls. Why? Because God wants to give you a key. And guess what happened? It lifted the lid on our church. We started seeing beyond the borders of who can we get in the building to who can we minister to outside the building. God will give you keys in your moment of frustration if you will seek him. Number three, keys are sequential. That means the door you move through now positions you for the next. So many people are waiting for the big door to to open, right? They're kind of like spiritual lotto numbers to all come up accurate at the same time. Every artist and songwriter is waiting to be discovered. And Christians, I think, have that mindset sometimes that, God, I'm just waiting for you to discover me and and put me out there where I, I just really know I have something on my heart. And you probably do, but here's how you get there. You walk through the small, unassuming doors. You pick up a towel. You walk through the doors that nobody else wants to walk through. You serve when nobody else shows up. You come to church in the pouring rain, good on you. You go through a small door and when you get through that door, you can see the next door and there's sequential doors of, as you go through them, it gets broader and wider. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It gets brighter and brighter and this path is taking opportunities. You're never too big to serve. If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. 
And so you walk through this door of service and as you get through that door, God says, ah, over here. And then through that opportunity, here's a relationship until you walk into the fullness of the call of God for your life. And don't kid yourself, the, the high call of God is not for full-time pastors with Reverend Pontifus on their business card. Every one of you has a high call and God wants to lead you in that direction. But there are sequential doors you gotta walk through. I'll give you another example. Five years ago, because of the faithfulness of that guy right there, I love you, Brian, and John Rankin. These guys go to the prison for years. How many years have you been going to the prison ministry? 25 years at the Father's house, serving. And because of their faithfulness, about five years ago, we were able to walk through that door they had already stepped through, and we started our first prison campus at CMF. And we walked through that door, the neighboring prison, you, got, you know, you got CMF, Solano, side by side. Solano prison said, come over here. So we walked through that door. And as we walked through to a third prison, Mule Creek, I believe it was. So now, boom, boom, boom. And we realized, wow, we don't have omnipresent pastors. We're going to have to, you know, create a live stream experience for them. And so we created a, a Blu-ray player. And we go in and we started setting up screens in these three campuses. And we just kept walking through these doors. And in uh, spring of 2020, when the world was shutting down, we get a call from the director of all the state penitentiaries, religious programming, and said, hey, we've seen your program. Would the Father's House be interested in airing your Easter service at all 35 prisons in California? <laughs> to which we said, let us pray, yes. Now, out of that came the opportunity to do it on a consistent basis, which is now turned into what you just saw. We just opened our 12th campus at San Quentin. We're in every state pen every week. We love you, Prison Church Network. Come on, give it up. Norco, San Quentin, Mule Creek, ladies in Napa State, and on and on it goes. Now, what if we said, you know, I mean, when we got to three or four prisons, our budget's tight and we're understaffed and we're really busy around here. Hey, we're all busy. You're not too busy, though, to walk through the door that God is opening. Whatever God is opening for you, make that a priority. Walk through that next sequential door and God will continue to open doors. But here's another sideline of it. Every time you walk through a new opportunity, you're probably going to have to leave some behind. You only got so many hours in your day, so much margin, so much energy, so much finances, so much time in your schedule that you're going to have to lay down some trivial things as you walk into new arenas. Are you guys with me today? So walk through it in Jesus' name. Number four, keys are seasonal. They must be used during their kairos window of opportunity. See, a deception of the enemy is to make you think that life in the spirit is like a buffet. It's always going to be there and we know God's grace endures forever. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are made new every morning. His anger lasts for a moment, but his kindness and his mercy lasts for a lifetime. Don't you guys love those verses? And they're all true. But let me tell you about opportunities. Opportunities come and opportunities go. There is a kairos window of opportunity when God presents a door to you. Now, we've all missed some opportunities, haven't we? I mean, hindsight's really great at saying, wow, that was, you know, I wish I'd have sold, I wish I'd have bought a bunch of houses like in 2002 and borrowed a bunch of money from whoever in the room's got a stack <laughs> and then sold them all in 2007, right before the market crashed. When that, I missed a great opportunity. Or how about this one? How many wish you'd have bought some Bitcoin right before it spiked and then sold it all in 2015? 
Hindsight, we can see opportunities we've missed, but the opportunities in the spirit are the ones that really matter. When God opens a door for us, there is a kairos, a time within a time. So a little review, most of you know this. There's two Greek words in your Bible for time, chronos and kairos. Chronos is where we get our English word chronology or chronological order, and it means seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, you know, tick, tick, tick. You're burning some chronos right now, all right? That's one word, we understand that. But the other word is kairos. And kairos, I give you a definition here. It's a time within a time. It's a favorable time, a season or window of opportunity, a time when God is moving in your favor. Now, the thing about Kairos moments is they are exactly that. They're our window, could last a month, could last a year, could be a day. They vary. But it's this time within a time where God says there's favor right now to move in this direction. Now, there's a lot of these in scripture. I'll just give you a few examples. Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt and they're headed toward the promised land, but all of a sudden they run into a Red Sea. Uh-oh, big obstacle just out the gate, right? So here's the Red Sea right here and here's Pharaoh's army closing in on him. And God tells Moses, stretch out your staff of authority. Now, Moses could have, you know, said, yeah, you know, that seems pretty silly, Lord. Let me go on a prayer retreat, you know? Take a few months of fasting and prayer. There was no time for that. Esther steps before the king for such a time as this, and she pleads for the life of her nation. In a closing window of just a matter of a couple of days, she had to make that decision. It was a Kairos moment. The way Jesus calls his disciples and the way he calls you. There's a, a time in your life where your heart is softened to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But if you resist that conviction long enough, God doesn't love you any less, but a hardening takes place in your heart. When he calls his disciples, he walks along the shoreline and he says, hey, hey, Peter, drop your nets and follow me. And if you read every narrative where Jesus called a disciple, there was an immediate response required. It was like, yeah, Lord, you know, I know you, you grew up here. I'll be here all, all summer. I got some fishing to do. I'll, I'll talk to you in September after the, May, the high season. There was none of that. He got up and he left. He goes by Matthew at the tax collector's booth. He says, follow me. And he gets up and he follows. Now, there's another scenario. Same invitation. We don't even know the guy's name. The Bible calls him the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus, says, what have I got to do to be your disciple? And Jesus, knowing his heart, he was worth a lot of money, said, why don't you sell all your stuff, give it to the poor and follow me? Same invitation. And Jesus was sincere in that invitation. But he went away very sad because his heart was gripped by all of his stuff. You never hear about him again. Kairos moment. You know, Paul, the apostle Paul, this guy was either getting beaten, flogged, thrown in prison, or he's standing before governors and kings. He, that was kind of his, his ministry role, right? So he's before this guy by the name of Felix, who was the governor of Judea. He's the high-ranking governor. And here's Paul, him and his wife, Felix and Drusilla. And so he's preaching to him. And he's preaching Jesus and righteousness and a coming judgment. And Felix makes this statement. He started to fear. He felt the fear of the Lord. And he has Paul taken away from the courtyard. And he says, I will call for you at a more convenient time. You never hear about Felix again. We don't know if he had a convenient time. I'm just telling you today, 
That is how life in the spirit works. There are seasons, there are moments where God is drawing you. He's softening your heart. He's opening a door of ministry, generosity. Confess your sin. Get free from your stuff. On a personal note, I don't know how many people I've dealt with over the years. And men who've been caught up in pornography and ladies as well. or They start in a flirtation and there's a window when they could have dealt with it. Oh, it's, it's getting too personal, but you can, you can finish that story. They all end about the same. Here's one that, that sticks with me because the, the clear heart and intention of Jesus is laid out here in Luke 19. It says, as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. I want you to get this vision. So Jesus would stay in Bethany, kind of Martha and Lazarus' house, and there were some areas he would stay there, and you have to come up over the rise, the Mount of Olives, down past the, the Garden of Gethsemane and through the Kidron Valley, and then up toward the Eastern Gate. So he would, he would make this walk, and then he would teach in, in the temple courts during the day, and then walk back down. It's about a 45-minute walk through that little valley back up to the Mount of Olives. And as he crests the mountain that day, knowing his time was short, he looks over Jerusalem, and he starts weeping. And he says, how I wish today that you of all people, my people, the chosen ones, would understand the way to peace, but now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes because you did not recognize the kairos. You did not recognize the kairos of your visitation. Now, that may feel a little heavy, but it's, it's appropriate heaviness. It's appropriate for us to be sober-minded regarding the times and seasons that we live in. And we're in a time in this nation we're in a Kairos moment for the church to rise up in truth and authority and be a light in a very dark nation. Are you guys with me today? And I'm not a gloom and doom, but I understand it is time for the church to get real and get on fire for God and step forward and be the voice of the gospel in these days. We're in a Kairos moment. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And I don't want you to miss your moment, whatever that is. It's different for every one of us. There might be people in this room or at locations and you've been considering fully surrendering to God and you're on the fence. Isn't it silly how the enemy comes and if you really consider it and he tries to leverage the joy of sin and being far from God against God's plan from your, for your life. I remember when I was in that valley and you know I was the party dude. And I was young and had options and you seem bulletproof. You know, when, when, you're, when you're 22 and someone says, you're going to be 60 before you know it, it's, it's comedy. You just can't see it from there, can you? But I, I understood this, and I remember the night, there were was, there was several of them, but I remember a night, God was dealing with my heart. I'm still running. And God spoke to me, he said, this, there's a window here for you. And I sensed the urgency of the moment. You know what that is? That's the love and the grace of God. If you feel an urgency to get out of that trap you're in, to run from your sin, to get free of the snare, to run toward him with forgiveness, that's the mercy of God. It's not an idle threat. He's not trying to harm you and he doesn't use scare tactics. He simply says, son, daughter, I've got a window of time where you can turn toward me. Don't miss that. Don't miss that window. God's gracious. He's long suffering more than I can comprehend. But the scripture shows us the reality of Kairos moments. And the final thing today before we pray, number five, is this. Keys require an act of faith. 
Every time God gives you a key, it's not for a key collection. It's not for us to polish our keys and put them in a glass cage at home and say, look at all my spiritual keys. When God gives you a key, it requires stepping out of the boat, holding up the staff, marching around Jericho, blowing the shofar, using the last of your oil and flour, whatever that step is, when you turn it and when you take that act of faith, an access to a world beyond what you've comprehended appears. There's so much more for all of us. I just want to lean in on this one more time. It's exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or imagine. It's huge. It's out there. God's saying, son, daughter, run toward me. I'm going to open up a a future for you that's better than you can imagine. But you got to be willing to take an act of faith. So here's, here's the last personal question. What's yours? What's your step of faith right now? What is God asking of you in this season of your life? I pray and believe that today you're going to have the faith, the initiative, and the urgency to say, God, I'm going after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's bow our heads. Other locations go into a ministry time. Come on, with these remaining few moments today, we just want to.